Hi there and welcome. The First Christian Church podcast ministry features the teaching and preaching of the First Christian Church in downtown Roseburg, Oregon. Here's today's message. Well, we are in a new series called Sheep and Shepherds in uh, so we are going to be in the book of Psalm chapter 23. And so if you have a Bible, turn to Psalm chapter 23 in the Old Testament. You can follow along in the Bible app. Uh, if you printed notes earlier from our previous posts, you can follow along there as well. We're going to spend the next three weeks, including this Sunday. So this Sunday and the next two weeks, discussing sheep and shepherds in three different chapters in the Bible. So today we'll be in Psalm chapter 23, we'll be then next week in Ezekiel chapter 34, and then in the third week we'll be in John chapter 10. So if you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to write those chapters down and maybe this week spend some time not only looking at Psalms 23 as a response to today's message, but look ahead and read uh, Ezekiel 34 and John chapter 10. As we begin our discussion on sheep and shepherds, uh, we're going to first begin with a description of what sheep are and some of their characteristics. Sheep are mentioned hundreds of times in Scripture, more than any other animal in Scripture. And it's estimated that right now in the world today, there are one billion, with a B, one billion domesticated sheep. One of the earliest animals to be domesticated for agricultural purposes. They're raised for fleeces, for meat and milk. And so as we describe sheep for the purpose of our three-week study, uh, there are eight char characteristics we want to rest our attention on. So first of all, right off the bat, when we describe sheep, number one, sheep are not smart, right? They're very susceptible and cannot perceive danger when it's apparent. As we continue this study, we're going to see how my, you and I might identify with this first characteristic, Right? Sheep are not smart animals, and because they're not smart, there's some things that need to happen when you care for sheep and when you lead sheep. We'll talk about that in the upcoming moments and then in the next couple of weeks. Not only are sheep not smart, uh, sheep are directionless. They're directionless. Sheep get lost easily. Um, while they are grazing, they tend to wander away from the group. They have trouble focusing on where they are, and once they leave the herd... They have no sense of direction and only find their herd by accident unless someone goes out and brings that sheep back to where they were. They are directionless. Not only that, sheep are in need of plenty of water. We'll talk about that in the next coming weeks, but they're in need of plenty of water. Uh, fourth of all, sheep cannot get up on their own. So when a sheep would be injured, their shepherd would then set the broken leg, and they would carry that sheep on their shoulder um, until the leg is healed. And when the lamb would uh, get healed after a period of time, that lamb would actually remain by the shepherd's side for the rest of his life. It would not lose its place right next to the shepherd. They have a hard time getting up on their own. Number five, as we do this study on sheep and shepherds, sheep must be sheared for their own good. So a sheep's wool is the most widely used animal fiber. And so it's this very time-consuming process for someone to shear a sheep. You try saying that really fast, by the way, at home. Shear a sheep, and you might get yourself in trouble with your vocabulary. I just want you to know how hard that is to say. 
but they have to be sheared for their own good. What happens is uh, the weight of the wool can actually weigh down a sheep so much that it affects how long they can travel. And the burden of carrying that wool ends up becoming uh, quite a danger to them. And oftentimes they're simply sheared just so that they can have the relief of the wool coming off of their back. Uh, characteristic number six, sheep must be led. We talked about this before. They have no sense of direction. And so if you want a sheep to go in a certain direction, they must be led. Characteristic number five, sheep stay dirty until someone cleans them. So I've learned this in studying sheep, that sheep's skin is full of this substance called lanolin. How many of you know what lanolin is at home? We have a couple of hands. Oh, wow. Every, I did not know what lanolin was. Everyone here obviously does. What it is, is it comes through the skin and it, and it coats the wool. Um, and so that it helps the animal stay warm in the cold weather. But the lanolin is one of the most effective dirt-catching elements we have ever found, apparently. So every time the sheep sits down and eats and lies down, it picks up the dirt and it sticks to them. They're actually walking Velcro strips. This is what sheep are. And so everything that comes in contact with them sticks to them. Have you ever seen a ship give sheep giving itself a bath? Have you ever seen? No, they don't. They don't clean themselves. And so they must be clean for their own good. Number eight, sheep respond to the shepherd's voice. You can train a sheep not only to hear your voice and recognize it, but apparently um, they can recognize faces as well. Uh, that part of their brain is wired very uniquely. And so we'll talk about that in the upcoming weeks. Now, of the hundreds of mentions in Scripture regarding sheep, many of them serve as a reminder to a very unsettling metaphor. And that's this. We are sheep. So I want you to right there in your, in your home, in your living room, on your car, wherever you are right now, as you're watching this, I want you to say out loud these three words, ready, begin, we are are sheep. Now, I want you to really own it this time. We're going to do it again. I know you're not excited about this metaphor, but this is a biblical metaphor that God has designed specifically for us. So I want you to say it one more time with more energy. Ready? One, two, three. We are sheep. Now, why are we compared to sheep? Maybe you identified with that list of eight characteristics already, but maybe there's some other reasons. I want to show you this quote from C.S. Lewis, um, because as we begin this discussion on why we're compared to sheep, it'll take us some time to answer, but we'll get there. C.S. Lewis said this, God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from himself. God cannot give a happiness or peace apart from himself. You know what I've noticed as I've watched the news in the last four or five days, and I've observed social media the last four or five days? This is what I've observed, is that God cannot give happiness and peace apart from himself. What I have observed is people in a position where life presents some tragic circumstances and because of those tragic circumstances 
it's almost impossible for us to experience and live in peace apart from God. The quote by C.S. Lewis really introduces us to the definition of biblical peace. We're going to answer the question why we're compared to sheep in just a moment. But for a few moments, I want you to embrace what it means to have a biblical peace. Biblical peace, if you're following in the notes or if you're jotting down notes, biblical peace is the result of resting in a relationship with God. Resting in a relationship with God. So so when we think of biblical peace, what we're talking about is the exact opposite of chaos. Now, how many of you, it's easier to imagine what chaos looks like than peace, right? Chaos looks like disruption, anger, tension, bitterness, envy, jealousy, all of these things, chaos, that's what that looks like. And so the opposite of that type of inner chaos is someone who's resting in a relationship with God. Now, a quick word study here as we look at peace. The word peace comes from the Greek word irene, and this is the Greek equivalent for the Hebrew word shalom. And so what we're talking about here when we're talking about biblical peace is we're talking about this irene, this shalom, that really is the idea of wholeness or completeness or tranquility in the soul that is unaffected by outward circumstances or pressures. This is a wholeness, a completeness, a tranquility, a shalom that is unaffected unaffected by outward circumstances or pressure. I want you to think about this type of peace in your own life. I want you to think about having this type of completeness or tranquility, this type of shalom. What would your life look like if you were resting in a biblical peace? Let's start here. Uh, What would your marriage look like if you personally were resting in a biblical peace? How would your conversations change between you and your spouse if you were resting in a wholeness, a completeness, a tranquility? What would, your, what would your mornings look like, okay? What would your mornings look like when the alarm ran off and there's kids to get ready and there's coffee to be made or a, or a Diet Dr. Pepper in Darren's case? Uh, what would your mornings look like if you had that kind of peace, that kind of wholeness? What would your parenting look like if you were resting in a relationship with God, that wholeness and that Like, how would you talk to your kids differently if you were resting in that peace? Uh, What would your work like be? What would it be like for you to go to the office resting in his peace, having a completeness, a wholeness, a tranquility, a shalom that is unaffected by outward circumstances or pressure? What would that look like? What would our life look like if we had that kind of peace? To be clear, this idea of being complete in Christ is really a contradiction to our own sin nature, right? 
So in the New Testament, Paul speaks to a church, uh, a group of believers in Rome. And as he speaks to these Roman believers, uh, he spends a lot of time. It's probably the most doctrinal book in the New Testament. Uh, Romans and Galatians, by far, are probably the most doctrinal. And so he spends 16 chapters writing this letter to a group of believers in Rome. And for the first few chapters, what he's focusing his attention on is we are all sinners in need of a savior. He helps them define what sin is, what the law was designed to do in our response to the law. And what does uh, Abraham's faith, what did that have to do with the law? Because the law came way after Abraham. So he's, he's unpacking all of these ideas about law and sin and salvation and grace and There's some big words he tackles in theology like justification and sanctification. And he gets to chapter 5 and he opens chapter 5 with a beautiful declaration for followers in Christ. He says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God in Christ Jesus. Through him we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we stand And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Paul says there that since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. That's that same word we're talking about, that Irene, that shalom. He's talking about that completeness and wholeness. And what he's basically telling the believers in Rome is this. Without that justification, there is no peace. You see, that peace comes when our sin debt has been settled by God Almighty. There are several attributes of our relationship with God that David actually experienced himself in the Old Testament. And David was someone through the course of his life experienced peace. He had those moments of completeness, of tranquility, of wholeness, that kind of shalom that we're talking about. And he describes much of that in Psalm chapter 23. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to follow along as I read Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's a beautiful psalm, isn't it? Just reading it gives a measure of peace. You can breathe a little easier breathing the words of this psalm. You remember the, the, the definition of peace, right? It's this, the biblical definition is this idea of resting in a relationship with God. And so in this psalm, there's several different ways that David rested in his relationship with God. And we're gonna, just going to talk about them one by one, and then we'll come back and answer that question, why are we sheep? First of all, David rested in his relationship with God by resting in the position Christ had in his life. Verse 1 says this, the Lord is my shepherd. David embraced the position 
that Jesus Christ had in his life as his personal Lord and shepherd. Boy, have you declared him as your shepherd? Are you in a position where you have entered in a relationship with him? David found peace by resting in his position in, your, in his life. He, was, he found peace by resting in the way that God provides. Verse 2 says this, He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters. Boy, over and over again in David's life, God provided for him. As a young man, he was in a position where he watched the sheep for his dad. And a couple of times, David was in a position where he had to protect those sheep. And in those moments, God provided for him. As a young man, he went to visit his brothers. And the next thing that happened is he is there facing Goliath, facing this warrior. And in that moment, God provided for him. Later in his life where he's already been anointed as a king, he's on the run and he's hiding from Saul who wants to take his life. And we see there that God provided for him. When his family went through pain and, and difficulty and when he personally went through bouts of depression, God provided for him. Over and over again, David saw God's provision in his life. David rested in his position. He rested in the way he provides. He also rested in God's path for his life. Verse three says this, he refreshes my soul and he guides me along the right path for his name's sake. One of the interesting storylines as you follow the life of David through the Old Testament is the path that God had for him. And let's be honest, if we were to write the story of our own life, we would eliminate parts of our own journey, perhaps. We would eliminate the missteps. We would eliminate maybe the difficult parts of our journey. If we were rewriting our, the, our, our life's history, maybe we would rewrite the pandemic, right? We would rewrite the unemployment. We would rewrite the diagnosis that we had to go through. We would rewrite probably some of those difficult moments. And yet there are parts of our life we would write differently, and yet resting in his path takes the pressure off of ourselves, and it increases our trust in him. David rested in God's position, the way God provides, God's path. He rested in his protection. Verse 4 says this, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. When you look at verse 4, there's so many powerful imageries there. He says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley. What he's talking about there is the darkest moments of your life where you feel alone. Not only does God walk with you, he walks through that valley with you. That means it doesn't mean that he uh, leads you up to the valley and then you face that valley on your own and that God meets you on the other side. What it means is God takes you through the valley. He goes, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. In other words, God protected him, and that protection led to David's faith being increased. He also rested in God's promises for his life. Verse 5 and 6 say this, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
We're not entirely sure when David wrote Psalm 23. Most historians and theologians believe that David wrote it at the end of his life as he was looking back on his life. And I want you to picture David at a, the end of his life thinking about his teenage years watching over the sheep and realizing that for all his life, he was a sheep and God was his shepherd. And he began to think about these these moments in his life where he was able to embrace God's position in his life as shepherd. He was able to embrace God's provision in his life as he over and over and over again provided for ways in David's life that David never understood or saw coming. David was able to look back on his life and and examine and see that God was uh, providing a path for his life that although didn't make sense, God walked the path with him. And in the moments of his glory and his moments in defeat and his moments of isolation, God was with David during every single moment on his path. He was able to think back and realize how much God had protected him over the years. He was able to look back and see all the different promises in his life that David was able to see come true because of who God is. David found that peace that wholeness and that completeness, that tranquility, that shalom in his life as he embraced his identity as sheep. So why are we called sheep? Well, let's look at our reasons again. Why are we called sheep? Number one, sheep are not smart. (laughs) Uh, As your pastor, I get to say this. We are not all that smart sometimes, are we? We're susceptible to temptation We're susceptible to dangers all around us. And because of that, oftentimes we're unable to perceive the real danger or threat to our own life. And so, in many cases, we're not that smart. What this does for us as we embrace our identity as sheep is this. It allows us to take the pressure off of ourselves and to trust in his guidance and his leadership in our life. We said that sheep are often directionless. Isaiah 53 says it this way. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way. If you read through the book of Proverbs, one of the uh, metaphors that the, the writer of Proverbs will use is this idea of choosing one's path over trusting in the path that God has directed for your life. And I think it's a good reminder that in our own strength, in our own wisdom, we all, like Isaiah says, like sheep, we've gone astray because each of us have pursued our own way. We we aren't that smart. We're directionless. Sheep need plenty of water, we said earlier. I want you to think back in the Gospels to John chapter 4. Now, at John chapter 4, I want you to understand, Jesus has not um, proclaimed his his ministry yet. He hasn't started yet. He's right on the verge of starting his ministry. He hasn't yet revealed to anyone that he is the Messiah, the Son of God. He's fed some people. He has done some miracles. He has taught. But people, uh, while they assumed he was 
the prophet, the one come back to be the Christ, the Messiah, he has not yet claimed that. And in John chapter 4, he takes his disciples and he unnecessarily goes through a part of town which he knew he and his Jewish brethren would not be welcome. In John chapter 4, it talks about this Samaritan village that bordered the field where Jacob had given his son Jacob, or Joseph. And Jacob had a well that was still there, and it was a well that was still working and occupied, and it was in the middle of the day, the worst time to go get water. Uh, The women would come in the morning or in the evening because it would be the cool air during that time, but Jesus went and sat by that well in the middle of the day. And a woman comes up to draw water, and it is a Samaritan woman. And Jesus asked for a drink of water from the Samaritan woman. I want you to think about the tension that exists between two groups of people that claim their culture and their heritage as superior. This is what we have between the Samaritan and the Jewish culture. And these two cultures did not intermix. They did not get together. This is one of the reasons why the disciples were so surprised that Jesus wanted to go through Samaria because they wouldn't be welcome there. The woman goes to get the water and she says, how come you, a Jewish man, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, to give you a drink? Jesus answered in so many words. He says this, if you knew the generosity of God and who I am, You would be asking me for a drink, and I would give you fresh living water. You know the story. The woman says, you don't even have a bucket to draw any water. How are you going to give me any water? And so what is this living water you plan on giving me? Are you better than Jacob, our ancestor? Are you you better than our culture, our heritage? What gives you the right to say that you're going to give us this living water. And so Jesus responds and he says, boy, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again. But anyone who drinks the water I will give them will never thirst again. The water I give will be a spring within gushing fountains of endless life. Boy, and the woman responds, I want this water. It's a reflection of the truth that we see here that sheep are in need of water and Jesus has the water we need. Revelation says it this way, let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life come. We said that sheep cannot get up on their own. When we're injured, the good shepherd comes alongside of us and he puts us on our shoulders and and responds, we would remain by the shepherd's side for the rest of our life. Psalm 40 says it this way, he lifted me up out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. Sheep cannot get up on their own. Sheep must be sheared for their own good. Coming to Jesus means we get our our, our burdens relieved and just as the sheep gets sheared so that weight of the wool doesn't have to bear down on it any longer, we come to Christ and our burdens are lifted. Matthew says it this way, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. First Peter says, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares for you. You were not designed to carry all the burdens in your life alone. You were not designed to carry all those burdens and weights and 
cares on your own shoulders. We were designed to get those relieved by the good shepherd. Sheep must be led. We said this. Why are we sheep? Sheep must be led. Because we have no sense of direction, we must be led to where we're going. Romans says it this way. All who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And Galatians says this. Because you are his sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts and the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. We talked about why are we sheep. The seventh reason we looked at is that sheep stay dirty until someone cleans them. Aren't you glad for the cleansing power, the redemptive power of the blood of Jesus Christ? 1 John says it this way, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. And if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I think perhaps the eighth reason why we are a sheep is probably the most significant one for us today, and that's this. Sheep respond to their shepherd's voice. John 10, which we'll study in a couple of weeks in depth, says this. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. And just as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Sheep respond to the shepherd's voice. You know what that implies? Is that we're listening for the shepherd's voice. I want to talk to you today. If you're you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you've been baptized, you've identified with Christ when you were 5, when you were 10, when you were 20, 50, 70 years old, whenever it was, but you are a follower of of Jesus Christ, I want you to think about this thought. Are you listening for the shepherd's voice? Are you listening for the shepherd's voice? The Bible is very clear that as followers of Jesus Christ, we would respond and hear the shepherd's voice. But that only happens when we're sensitive and when we're listening for the shepherd's voice in our life. Some of us are followers of Jesus Christ, but if we're honest, when we see these words, it kind of irritates us just a little bit. We don't really like this identity that we are sheep. We're not a sheep. We, we do what we want, when we want, and the way we want it, right? The Bible's very clear on why we're compared to sheep. And ultimately, it comes down to this. We're sheep... Because we need a shepherd. And if you have claimed the name of Jesus Christ, may I urge you, may I insist with you that you embrace your identity as sheep and you listen to the shepherd's voice. The good shepherd. The shepherd that loves you. The shepherd that protects you. The shepherd that provides for you the shepherd that promises eternal life. All of these things we saw in Psalm 23. When you embrace your identity as sheep, something will happen where a biblical peace will calm your heart and your mind because you're now resting in your relationship with him. So if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I want you to take these words and I want you to embrace them with all your heart. 
resting in your relationship with him. And if you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and you just happen to stumble along this feed, maybe someone invited you to watch it, or maybe you're sitting in a, in a, in a, in a, in a living room with friends or with family, but you yourself have not made a decision for Christ. My question for you this morning is, well, who is your shepherd? If not Christ, then who? If not Jesus, then who? Because in our lives, if Jesus Christ is not our shepherd, if God is not the one guiding and leading us, all that weight, all that pressure rests on you. And what Jesus came to do in John chapter 10 says this, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And the life you're living right now without Christ in your life is a mere shadow of the life you could leave. And the life you live right now is probably filled with internal chaos and anger and resentment and bitterness and emotion and tension. And you just don't know how to respond when life gets out of control and you don't know how to respond when the weight of the world is on you because you're the one guiding yourself. And that surrendering to God is what enables you to experience a peace that doesn't make sense. A peace that says in the midst of the pandemic, you're at rest. In the midst of quarantine, in the midst of what's happening in our nation, in the midst of a diagnosis, in the midst of unemployment, in the midst where your life is completely out of control and it seems like there should be an immeasurable amount of chaos, you're able to rest in your relationship with God. And so if you've never made that decision and you've ever entered into a relationship with Christ, I'd be honored to spend some time with you over the phone or, uh, or, or texting or, or, or even in person and sharing with you what it means to have a relationship with God. Boy, if that's you today and you're listening to this, I'd encourage you to comment uh, in the feed or, or message the church on the, on the message button and let us know that you want to have a relationship with God. We'd like to introduce you to our Savior, to the Good Shepherd who will lead, guide, and protect. Let me pray for you this morning. Heavenly Father, as we consider you as our shepherd, Father, we're grateful for the position you have in our life and the way that you have provided for us time and time again. The way that you lead us in a path that sometimes we would not write ourselves, but in your wisdom and in your sovereignty, you have laid out for us. Thank you for protecting us. Thank you for the promises that you have given to us in scripture. Thank you for being our shepherd. Father, we're, we're in a moment as a community, as a country, where we could really use biblical peace. So I pray that this week we would embrace our identity as sheep and we would rest in our relationship with you. Father, I am praying for those who have never put their faith and trust in you. And because of that, they have no relationship with you. 
and they're trying to do life on their own. And Father, as we consider that group of people and that person that's sitting there who has never put their faith and trust in you, Father, I pray that this would be the moment that they have the courage to reach out and to proclaim you as Savior and Shepherd in their life. I pray that this would be the moment when there's chaos all around, when the pandemic is going, when quarantine is still in place, when all of these things are happening in our life, that this would be the moment that they embrace you as Savior, that they would recognize their own sin that separates them from God, and that they would embrace your gift of salvation that you paid for on the cross, and that going forward from today... They can say, as David says, as other followers of Jesus Christ can say, the Lord is my shepherd. Father, I pray that you would give them the courage to reach out to the person they're sitting next to. To give them the courage to to message or to email or text the church. You would give them the courage to reach out to someone so we can show them what it means (laughs) to embrace our identity as sheep and to claim you as our shepherd. This is the type of peace we're praying for in our community. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcast, We invite you to like, subscribe, rate, and review, and share this message on social media so others can be blessed by this ministry. Again, thank you for listening, and have a beautiful day. God bless you.